You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome again, once again, to Locked on Browns. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Locked on Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open, as you folks know. iTunes, Apple support. Guess what? The bird. We're still keeping out there, extended to you. We are now two weeks, two weeks into this hell. Um, But again, I appreciate all you listeners so much taking the time to adapt yourselves, Odyssey, uh, Spotify, almost every other podcast app there is. Locked on Browns is up and running, so feel free. Um, I'm always a big supporter of Apple, but what's going on right now? They can bite me for what's going on right now. Uh, we're going to sit down here today. It's got kind of funny. We're going to continue with – I didn't even – like. I, you know, I almost kind of like didn't even dawn on me, but I guess it's kind of turned into the week with the OBR here on Locked on Browns. Uh, Jakey, a couple days ago, obviously sat down – uh, you know, with Lane Atkins that came out, uh, you know, about midday on Thursday, your Friday episode here with my man, my buddy, uh, Mr. Brown's mock draft, Stephen Thomas from the OBR, who worked so hard during draft season, found a way to get his computer frazzled and had to send it out of the house to get himself a little bit of relief. Steve, how are we doing, big guy? <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's been a weird. I, I haven't had my laptop for like five days now. And it's like, uh, I don't know. Is this what... Uh, being addicted to cocaine feels like because that I don't like this. I want it back. Come on, you Apple's screwing me over too. Let's team up. Let's go to their house and like you know egg their mailboxes or something. Uh, yeah, I don't even. But the thing is, the property is going to be so big, Steve. We could go there with eggs, and we'll be lucky if we can even get it within a half a mile of a house. But that is what it is. Um, Steve, the last time you were here, we uh, we covered obviously the drafting of Greg Newsom. We didn't get to day two and three. A lot of things, you know, went on there. We'll get to, uh, you know, what maybe there could be left for Andrew Barry to do here before, uh, you know, this team starts talking, you know, realistically about loading up and, you know, talking about training camps and things of those natures. Um, but when we had talked and we would pre- we previewed, you know, night two together um, and you would talk, you know, you gave a list of names about some people that might certainly be one where the Browns would essentially buck the trend and perhaps trade up. Lo and behold, pick 52. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, J-O-K, Wu, whatever you're going to call him, because I can see this is going to go on with everybody. He's going to end up referred to as about seven <laughs> different things. I understand, guys. Um, but you trade up to 52. And what I always love about it, Steve, is even if you trade it up, you still end it with the same amount of draft choices. With So for the draft nerds like me and you and just the actual playing of the game of it, that's even better. All right, so we're getting so, – okay, so we're essentially walking out of here with the same thing we walked in in, but we did move up. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa and – there's there's such a need for guys like this in the NFL. Everybody talks about how they want them, but yet not everybody's sure exactly just yet to do with them, Steve. It takes a little while. Yeah, exactly. Uh, first of all, tremendous trade value, I thought, um, getting up to move. And uh, only seven spots, but then give up, you know, just drop down. They didn't give anything up. We keep saying they gave up this. They didn't really give anything up. They just sort of swapped around, which is fantastic. <laughs> And, you know, right off the top, let's just say this. Of all those names we thought might fall and they would trade up for, yeah, I think we all thought JOK getting into the range where they would even consider it was an absolute pipe dream. I mean, if we're all being honest with ourselves, go ahead. Anybody out there, raise your hand if you thought JOK would fall to 52 so they could trade up with them. Okay, everybody with your hands up, you're a liar. 
Okay. <laughs> None of us thought. <laughs> if you had told me ahead of time, okay, I've been to the future and their first two picks are Greg Newsom and JOK, in my head, I would have went, okay, they traded up from 26 to get Newsom at like 19. And then they gave away next year's one and a bunch of stuff to move up and get JOK at like, you know, 29. Or they, they ended up and have no other picks left picks. in the draft. And have exactly. no picks left in the draft. <laughs> exactly. And they, I would have been totally justified in believing that. So <laughs> to, to do it at 52. I mean, uh, and I said this with Jake too. Uh, uh, the day after it happened, uh, they you know, they trotted out this heart issue thing after the fact. Well, this is why he fell. This is why he fell. Uh, okay, I'm a Notre Dame guy. There were whispers of that while he was there. Like I, as soon as somebody said it, I went, okay, I remember that from when he was like a sophomore. But it, so it, if that was the case, it wasn't you know quote unquote new information that made him fall. So I tend to agree with uh, Pete and, and some other people who think it, the fall was just about what you mentioned uh, when you were talking about him. You have to have a plan for a guy like this or else you end up with, you know, what happened to Isaiah Simmons in Arizona last year. Yeah, we, this guy can do a lot of stuff, but how do we get him to do it? We have no idea how to line him up. So, and I think the Browns, as they do with everything, have a plan. I mean, they, everything has a plan with Andrew Barry. There is nothing off the cuff with him. He has a plan for every eventuality. I, I, I don't know that he planned for JLK at 52, but he might have planned to trade up for him. But he, I guarantee you, more than once, when he kept falling and falling and falling, he got on the phone or turned to Joe Woods if he was in the same room with him and said, are you sure you have a plan for this guy? Yes, we have a okay because if you use him properly, I don't think there's any question that he can help elevate the rest of your guys on their defense. He changes the second level of their defense and third level of their defense just by his very presence, and he gives more help to the front wall of your defense by all of the things that he can do. Plus, he can rush off the edge a little bit. I if this guy becomes who we think we can be. As much as I love Greg Newsom, and he was the perfect pick at the time at 26, JOK might end up being the best pick in this draft class just because of the, the tremendous wide range of value that he can give just by his presence on the field. The first thing I think, and you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll continue to move on down here and other players, if he's on the field and you have JJ3 and you have Ronnie Harrison and you have Grant Elpin, how are you going to know exactly what's going on? Right. You have so many moving parts and it's like, all right, well, they're all between five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Maybe he's covering the tight end. Oh, maybe he's covering the tight end. Yep. Uh, he looks like he could be playing. And anybody could be doing. And the other thing is, is they're all capable of doing some similar things. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about in, in what had been the model for teams when they were matching up against the Baltimore Ravens, that is no question that Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa becomes part of that equation. He will be fast enough as a lined up as a linebacker to run wide with Lamar Jackson. That will work. That is something you can do to hopefully contain that aspect of the Ravens. 91, yeah, and Steve, I think even, even more so, uh, and you're absolutely right. I'm not disagreeing with you. He definitely helps in that regard as far as Lamar Jackson. But the other thing with Lamar Jackson, and you and I talked about this off the air, both he and uh, John Johnson the third, and to a certain extent Ronnie Harrison, but he didn't get a chance to really show it last year just because they were so thin on defense. When Lamar, people say, oh, Lamar Jackson, if his reads aren't there, he immediately starts to run. He really doesn't. If you watch him, he keeps his head downfield. And the first thing when he breaks out of the pocket, he does is try to find Mark Andrews. That is his security blanket. 
He wants to know where Mark Andrews is at all times. And I know I'm not the only Browns fan who's absolutely sick to death of Mark Andrews and every other tight end in the world just eating us alive. So if you have multiple guys that we just mentioned who can, you can never take away a guy as talented as Mark Andrews completely, but if you can limit his access to Mark Andrews and force him to do other things and allow the rest of the contain to sort of catch up with him while he's looking for Mark Andrews, that in and of itself, I think, is a bit even a bit more exciting than the fact that like you said, he definitely could chase him down if he had to. But I'm really excited to see, as you know, with him and Kelsey and the rest of the tight ends. You know, I mean, the Steelers, they just crank out tight ends that eat us up. I mean, they can put anybody at tight end and he'll get 110 yards against us for some reason. I, I'm really excited to see how this revamped safety slash linebacker group that they have um, helps mitigate that this year because that could make a massive difference in this team. Well, it would be, be nice just to see somebody in a Browns jersey, at least within the picture screen. Of one of these tight ends, you know that would you know that that would be that that would be something. But you know you have the ability here, and look, you know with JLK, he can cover underneath on a tight end, he can cover over the top on a tight end. You have all these other safeties. It gives you an option and something when you're trying to deal with, you know, the pains and the butts. And look, I mean, you, Kelsey is certainly somebody that this team needs to talk about mm-hmm. as far as you know, we need to have an answer for this because not only do are they on the chief schedule this year. Uh, that's going to be one of the the ladders you're going to climb if you want to take this further uh, in this playoff run. We'll get back here. We'll talk a little bit. Anthony Schwartz, uh, get some thoughts here from Steve on a couple of day three guys continuing to roll along here on your Friday edition. Wow, this week quite kind of by quickly of Lockdown Browns. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Hey, Cleveland Browns fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text draft to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and include a bottle of Nugenics Thermal, the most powerful fat incinerator uh, ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape. Absolutely free. Text free and draft 231-231. That's draft to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ad says, she'll like it too. If you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It works mr thomas 91 overall um mm-hmm. and we we talked about this player a lot and certainly put somebody that we had mocked in this situation plenty of times mm-hmm. and look at the end of the day 4-2 is 4-2 his package does not have to be big and it certainly won't be coming out the shoot 
<laughs> I didn't even realize I did that one, folks. Um, <laughs> the play package and the usage does not need to be a large amount for Anthony Schwartz. We're 12. Um, but, this is just yes, sad. Hey, look, I mean, look, the best part is we're kicking eugenics here one second, and then we're right back to telling the same stupid jokes that we just laughed when we were seventh grade. Uh, but Anthony Schwartz, what he brings, it is unlike anything else in that wide receiver room. There's no question about it. And there's going to be times where he's on the field, and it doesn't regardless if it's tight end heavy and he's on the field, it's wide receiver heavy, or it's Hunt, it's Chubb, both of them on the field. He is going to draw a lot of attention just due to the fact and the simple fact, and I keep going with this, Steve, he doesn't have to be Tyreek Hill. But if he can kind of be McCole Hardman, that should help this offense a ton. Absolutely. I mean, I think as far as year one, uh, his contributions, the absolute floor is he clears out one side of the field. That's that's the absolute minimum that he's going to do. Now, he's already working with Jarvis. I'm sure he'll work with Odell. I'm sure he'll work with the, because he is, you know, raw in, in his technique and, and he's got a lot to learn. If you're th- if you're expecting he's going to come in and be you know, all, all pro, you know, all around wide receiver year one, then you're setting your sights too high. But and, P, this, and, and I, this is one thing also the folks need to understand. He was a full time track athlete at Auburn. So, right. the, you know, when we say he needs work, this isn't necessarily. And look, you're going to say this about any third round player, but he was a two athlete. And it, this wasn't he ran track. He literally there was a chance maybe his football career would have ended if he if he had gotten to work out for the Olympic team last year. He got chosen. I'm not sure the U.S. Olympic team would have been so thrilled about him running around on SEC football fields. They would have said, look, son, we're counting on you here. Yeah, he's uh, that 4-2 is a legit 4-2. There's some, you know, 4-2s and 4-3s from this past draft cycle that you can kind of, yeah, okay, we wink and nod at it. But his was a legit 4-2. So, but I, I with Schwartz, it's, it, for year one, I think he has the ability to de- to develop into much, much more than this. Uh, down the line. But for year one, I keep going back to this thing. And I've said it on your show for years, that line from Miracle. I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. They brought him in for a very specific role this year. Okay. And then they hope he can turn into more going out, uh, going forward, because you think about this offense, it's been talked about as nauseum. The, the take the lid off deep threat is what's missing and it constricts the five to 15 yard area of the field. I mean, Baker Mayfield's throwing into, you know, tissue boxes, if that, you know, and he was doing it, which was great, but it would be nice if he had some guys running by themselves once in a while. And Schwartz is a guy who can do that because like you said, even if all he is, is a deep threat, even if it's just like that old Bill Cosby routine, okay, you go long, you know, every play, even though that's all he does, the defense has to account for that speed. They have to go, okay, at least one of us, probably two, are going to be 35 yards downfield because we can't let this guy get behind us. Now, think about that in the context of not only, you know, Jarvis working well over the middle and Odell on those seam and slant routes that he just loves and, you know, uh, Najoku over the middle and everything else. But on top of all that, obviously, it's going to open up for those guys. Think about Baker checking it down and dumping it to uh, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt in 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 the flat or or a screen and game they're getting whatever, and they're getting five know? yards before there's even a defender near them. Well, that's the thing. He's dumping it off to those guys, and the defense is all over him because we have no deep threat, and they're still killing it. They're still breaking those free this past year. Now imagine that same play, but two less defenders because they're down chasing Schwartz forty yards down the field. Think about what Nick Chubb could do with two less guys chasing him. I mean, <laughs> the possibilities with this kind of speed 
don't even talk about him putting the ball in his hands. You watch his Auburn tape because Bo Nix was so inconsistent. And I'm not going to get into a Bo Nix thing here, but be, they wanted to get the ball in Schwartz's hands. So he has plenty of experience on the fly sweeps, the jet sweeps, the orbit motion, the tunnel screens, the all that kind of stuff where you get a, you just get the ball in the four, two guys hands and try to let him work that those he, he can already do all of that. So if he can take, you know, clear it up 10 snaps a game for everybody else underneath, and then maybe two or three times a game, you give him one of those jet sweeps or, you know, a tunnel screen or something like that. And once a month, he breaks one of them. That's a hell of a rookie year from a 91st overall pick. And then you hope he can develop a little more nuance and technique and all that stuff moving forward in the years to come. But as a rookie, I, 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 you know, as long as he's healthy, his, his contribution just from being on the field will be noticeable, uh, very noticeable, probably right from the jump. And look, you've got to account for it. You've got to answer for it. You know, this was part of the reason why, you know, we all made those jokes about the angel position so many years ago with Greg Williams, because you have to honor certain players mm-hmm. due to the fact that they are the fastest player on the field. And this isn't even close. He, he He's the fastest player on the field, probably by two, you know, by two and a half tenths of a second. So you know, it's right. just, it's, and that's just something, and this is what I loved about it is just establishing and truly understanding how important that need was and look, you know, a lot of people, oh, this is earlier than I expected. Well, look, 4-2 is always going to go higher than it should anyway. But when you pause it into, yeah, I mean, to other teams, maybe he had a little more value a little later on. To the Browns, he may have had value even higher than 91. So you, obviously that one worked out, played out very well for them. Steve, day three, you know, you start with Hudson, you start with Togiai. And that's when I thought after the Togiai pick, it got a little, I think it was almost kind of like they said, well, We've got pretty much everything we need. We've still got some picks to make. Scouts, okay, we'll, 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 we'll lift the athletic analytics. We'll lift the age analytics. Guys, give me some battles from your tape. Who are your guys? And, you know, I think that's kind of how the end of day three unfolded for them. Yeah, I thought, uh, uh, as far as the two early picks, I thought Togi at 132 was the highway robbery. Uh, I, I was really yep. surprised you know i mean people said oh because he's got a strength fix. he's got a strength and athletic mix which is i mean you're, he's got both he's got a good mix of both and then you right. say i'm getting him at 132 and i understand that he maybe didn't take the amount of reps in college you know that you would normally want from a player so i'm getting him and he is a little bit raw and unrefined and i get to do that yeah no problem yeah, exactly. He was, I mean, I, I didn't know if he would last to the, this is about the range I thought the Browns would be interested in him, one to ten maybe. I, I, I really didn't think he would be around. I thought somebody else yep. would have much more, you know, have him higher on their target list. So I thought that was highway, highway robbery. Even if he's just a rotational player on the interior of that defensive line as a rookie, they needed rotational players. I mean, him and Marvin Wilson together showed – what they think of both the interior and the edge rush group. uh, And they addressed it in a way that I thought was quite frankly, pretty brilliant if if both of them work out Hudson, I have to admit, I I knew his name and that was about it. And, but now after looking um, at at some film and looking at the breakdown that Jake did on him, I'm kind of kicking myself that I should have known more about this. 
guy because he looks with this offense and he's a lot better than a lot of Browns fans are giving him credit for. So they have a ton of options on the offensive line now. They have more guys in the in the building right now than will make the 53. So whoever the swing tackle and the swing guard and the eighth or whether they keep nine or eight or all that, they've already got 10 or 11 that, that are viable options. So I'm pretty excited about that. As far as the rest of them, um, Felton, you and I were in complete lockstep on this. We loved him all year, thought he was just a versatile, uh, dangerous weapon. And then that pro day, like the complete opposite of everybody else's pro day, everybody else in the world is like, you know, 10 times the athlete they actually are. And, and for some reason, Demetri Felton went out there and looked like, you know, me after eight beers. I, I don't know what the hell happened that day, but you watch his film and then you watch the SIS uh, info about the game speed, which is different than the, you know, I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I really, was, really yeah, liked he it. Was, and he was recorded in Mobile as one of the fastest players in Mobile for the couple of days he was down there. So it was just like, none of this is adding up here, man. Yeah, it was bizarre. I don't know if it was muddy at UCLA that day or what. I have no idea. But I mean, whatever it was, I'm glad it happened because had he tested yeah. like he actually plays, he would have been long gone before we took him. Um, but, and, uh, I really like the Tony Fields pick really like the Tony Fields pick, uh, again, perfect for this off or defense, uh, the LeCount pick. I, uh, this is one of those ones where we say, you know what, this front office has done everything right. They have earned the right for us to trust them until they give us a reason not to, I don't see it with him. I, I, I would be very surprised if they're counting on him as, you know, any starter kind of reps. I think he's a rotational depth special teams kind of guy. And, you know, if they happen to catch lightning in a bottle, that's great or whatever. But yeah, I thought there were better uh, values on the board mm-hmm. at that pick. Um, but again, they, they haven't made a lot of wrong moves in the last, you know, 17 months or however long they've been in, in, in office. So I'm going to go with them on this. And I also saw something about LeCount too. Because uh, he had a poor pro day that uh, I think somebody said he was also injured, was nursing some. I can't remember what it was. Apparently, there was a dirt bike accident on Halloween oh, that's right. for Richard LeCount. Yes. That's but my what it thing was. was, though, is, and then, but when LeCount spoke, at, you know, after he was drafted, okay, well, I'm all better now. But my thing was, well, your pro day was like three weeks ago. So, like, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, and look, it, when you say, hey, late in the you know, late in day three, you drafted a you know former starter from an SEC school, and you know not Vanderbilt, um, at least Georgia, right. um, you know seven interceptions over the last couple of years. Um, and also, the conversation could have been simple as this: uh, Hey, guys, is he going to get after somebody more than Shelter Redwine will? Sure, because um, it's great that Shelter Redwine's athletic, but he's also going to find himself athlete. You know, he's going to be really athletic to avoid a tackle. Um, will this guy go in there and wait, if we ask him to and we need him to? Is he going to go in there and hit somebody? And if the answer was yes, then all right, sign it off, send the card in. Um, yeah, so, but you know, and again, you're, you're talking about upgrading special teams here because um, you lost so many players in that regard, and you're going to have to find something for these guys 47, 48, 49, 50 on the roster to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, look how it was, and it was another one. It was a, you know, just a weird anomaly of, well, that's a really, really, really bad pro day. And I was even joking with somebody, it was almost kind of like, you know, when I was talking with Jake the other day, it was like whoever was the last man out of the building Friday night before day three. Turned off the analytic button, and nobody remembered to turn it on <laughs> on day three because some things there went a little bit different. But it also shows, and I think this is maybe you know what we're going to appreciate about this is maybe they're not married to it, Steve. You know what I'm saying? As far as big investments, a first round pick, yes, he better meet this. He better meet this. He better meet this. He better meet this. But understanding that, hey, we're understanding that these guys are flawed. We understand these guys aren't perfect. 
And that's why they are day three prospects. Well, yeah. And the other thing too, like we've been saying for, you know, to, well, all the way back to Sashi. I mean, this goes all the way back to the arguments people had about analytics back then. It's a tool. It's not a rule. It's not, it's a not the Bible. Bible. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, it's part of the evaluation. People are like, oh, my God, all they do is look at numbers. Why don't they watch the film? I guarantee you they have more people in that building watching film than we've ever met. OK, they've watched more thousands of hours of film of these guys than you can possibly imagine. So this just especially in a really weird, shallow draft class like this one, it was kind of expected that they unless things fell perfectly, they would have to bend at least a little bit when you got towards the back half of, of day three and go, well, you know what? This guy's faster on tape. That's an old uh, uh, coaching cliche. You know, his game speeds better than his testing speed, that kind of stuff. And, you know, the other thing, like you said, too, there were, there were a couple, like the, uh, the two guys were talking about Trey Walker, um, uh, a few others where you go, okay, that something went wrong. That's not what I see on film. Okay. Mm -hmm. It, It just, so maybe they knew some. And as far as, you know, him not saying anything uh, after his pro day, maybe he did to the teams and just didn't care about speaking to the media. You know what I mean? Maybe they called him and went, you know, hey, what the hell went wrong? And he told them the story and they went, oh, OK. And no media member ever reached out to him. I, you know, I don't know. I'm speculating here. But, you know, again, first of all, it's a day three pick. Like you said, they've earned the right for us to trust them. And maybe it's just a simple part of, you know, that one guardrail that you and I talk about churn the bottom of the roster. You want rookies and you want UDFA types who are hungry and uh, to go out there on your special teams because they're going to go balls to the wall because that's the only way they can earn a, a ridiculous paycheck for you know five, six, seven years, however many years they can stay in the league doing special teams. And maybe that's what they saw there. You know, maybe that's what they saw. They they said, hey, you know, we're going to have to. Uh, we've got some guys coming up on their second contract that we're counting on and we're going to have to you know, churn spots thirty nine to fifty three, and he's part of that. I, I mean, I don't know. But uh, overall, if it let's say LeCount is a big miss, and I don't know if he will be, but let's say he is. If the rest of it pans out, okay, that's still pretty good damn draft glass right there. If a mid, you know, fifth or sixth round pick, wherever we picked him, is the biggest question mark in your class, you've done well. Yes. Also, and I think we've maybe reached the point here where we can't expect a sixth round pick to make the Cleveland Browns as they are currently constructed. But you go, and it's been running around Twitter here. Um, there's that Texas route against Washington State, probably about, you know, tech, uh, and the Texas route, you know, and UCLA is about their own eight-yard eight line. He runs that route, splits down the middle of the hashes, beats everybody. But I'm telling you right now, just watching that route, Kareem Hunt is a fantastic receiver. One of his you know, best attributes is a running back. Kareem Hunt doesn't run that route that clean or that quick. Nick Chubb. God bless him. We love him. And he doesn't even need to be any better of a receiving option than he currently is. He isn't running that route like Demetri Fountain ran that route. And the fact that he has slot ability, has return ability. And look, you may label him when you draft him as a running back, but you drafted uh, Demetri Felton, offensive player at the University of UCLA. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's going to be his calling card. And, you know, uh, there's probably more he can do than Dearness Johnson, which puts you know other guys in a tough spot. But there's many things this young guy can do. Again, versatility, something you're looking for on day three players. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Steve just talking about you know, what's left. Is there anything possibly left here? We'll get to that in just a few more seconds here on your latest Locked On Browns. We got to change, folks. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Do you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? plus the occasional limited-time flavor. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, 
cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. My favorite, no doubt, the mint brownie bar. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box when you, where you will get two of each of all the nine flavors, 18 bars in total. Not only are the Bill Bar flavors the best thing, but they are healthy too. Uh, most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams net carbs. Uh, a couple of the other flavors have 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, five grams of sugar, five grams net carbs. Uh, for your Mother's Day presents, if mom needs them, don't know what to get her, you can get her some Built Bar. So you go to BuiltBar.com, you use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, it was kind of funny how they kind of just slipped this one out on Monday. Oh, here's the list of the undrafted free agents we brought in. Oh, yeah. And we signed Malik McDowell, um, a player. And I'll be honest, Steve, I think I was to the point where I completely forgot Malik McDowell existed. And, you know, for him, that was probably the best thing is that nobody, because if anybody would remember Malik McDowell, Malik McDowell, it wasn't going to be you know pleasant by that part. But again, this is not looking under every rock. Looking everywhere for any possibility. Me, no, I wouldn't have gone this route because, and again, this is another non-analytic thing because it would have been, nope, 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 nope. But look, there's going to be times where you have to, you know, change yourself, do something differently. But I wonder, and the thing with it, Stephen, even after, the, obviously they had already had Wilson in tow. They had drafted Togi, Malik Jackson was brought in, Billings is here. But all of a sudden, and we spent so much time, which is crazy, Steve, talking about edges coming in through the draft, is that they ended up taking two defensive tackles through the draft. Obviously, Wilson was undrafted free agent. Then go again and pick up Malik McDowell two days later. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, we spent all so much time talking about edges. But apparently, you guys view defensive tackle as more as the issue. Yeah, I, I think it, it, I was just going to say that um, it, it I think the fact that they concentrated so uh, much there, it tells us they're they're OK with the current edge group. I mean, I've seen people it's become a talking point for certain parts of Brown's media. Oh, they miss- I'm telling what it tells me is they are excited on Curtis Weaver. Well, yeah, I mean, look, well, let's look at it. People say, oh, there's a, a, a hole at edge, and I don't see that because let's let's step back and, and lay it out with the numbers. Your edge one is Miles. Two and three are Clowney and Tack. However you want to rank them, people want to argue, go for it. I don't care. Your edge four right now on paper is Porter Gustin, and he's perfectly fine for that role. Your edge four is not going to get, unless there's injuries or something, a ton Ten of snaps. snaps. He's, Ten snaps a he's, game. Be a guy that can 12, 15, maybe in certain against certain matchups, um, high energy, high athleticism, high effort, plays with his hair on fire. And we saw last year Porter Gustin is great in that role. He can come in and surprise you with some pop. So that's that's your edge four. So Curtis Weaver, right now, if all he does, and apparently I think they think more than this of him, but if yeah. his ceiling is he just pushes Augustine for edge four, and now that's your four and five where's the hole it get it that's a perfect four and five and we're not even talking about i think the romeo mcknight udfa signing 
was really interesting. He might need a year in the practice squad, but that guy's got some skills. We keep hearing they like Joe Jackson more than we do. I don't know if that's true, but they keep they, saying they like him. They like Cameron him. In, they like him from the yeah the defensive standpoint of what Olivier Vernon did versus the run. You need disciplined people. You can't just say they're all pass rushers. Right. Somebody's got to be willing to get their nose dirty and set an edge. But go ahead. And then, you know, you also throw in that when they signed Malik Jackson, uh, uh, Joe Woods made a point of saying he can come from the edge or maybe it yeah. was Stefanski. I don't remember one of them. They said they made a point in the, in the presser to say he can give us snaps on the edge, too. So I think the edge rotation, especially in the context of what we've all been saying, they're going to move Clowney inside 15 snaps a game. They're going to move Miles inside eight or 10 snaps a game. You know, they're in the first you know, half dozen of the defensive linemen inside and outside is pretty damn impressive. And then they've got enough depth. If one of Togiai, uh, Wilson, and McDowell gives them anything on the back end of the interior rotation, dude, they have they have more. Again, they're going to be cutting good players, which we've never mm-hmm. had happen before. It's a nice place to be uh, on the defensive line. I just... I don't think a trader. Yeah, they could. I would we love another, you know, uh, clowny level, miles level guy. Of course, who wouldn't, you know? But they, I don't think they need to. I think if there's a spot left, I would have liked to have seen them sign or uh, draft another corner. I, I, I just think there's one more. But again, like we've been saying, we don't know what they know. Maybe they like AJ Green a lot more than they're letting on. Maybe sure. they've got tremendous health news on Greedy Williams, and they just haven't made it public. We don't. We don't know this. And plus, I mean, maybe there's one of those trades that have been rumored for months and months are still in the work. And then you look at a couple more options. First, the existing free agent pool. There's still some. Decent names out there. Steven Nelson, Gary and Conley, Brian Poole, uh, Kareem Orr was just released by the Titans. Not a bad option for a depth guy. And then here's something interesting that I like to think about. Remember, we got Ronnie Harrison at the end of camp in a trade. Maybe they're crunching the numbers on certain teams and they're like, hey, one of these four corners is not going to make the 53 somewhere. Not because they're bad, but because they're Mm going to have to get cut at the end. So, you know, come and, well, and the, other th- the first thing I think is in our defensive tackle. Hey, they're light on defensive tackle, so sure. they may have to be pedaling a corner. Yes, exactly. But I mean, even if it's a draft pick like last year, if you can find somebody that they're going to cut and you think can come in and be your corner four or three or, you know, something or at least be a, a usable piece that you can count on for some coverage and you can give up a fifth round pick like you did last year for uh, Ronnie Harrison. I, I guarantee you, Andrew Barry has. I spend a sickening amount of time on these kinds of things, <laughs> and I guarantee you, Andrew Barry has done ten times more work to information than I. I guarantee you, he's already got scenarios for the trade deadline in his head. Yeah. It's so you know. I, would I've liked to seen them pick up another corner? Of course, I would have. I can't believe they did it haphazardly. There has to be a plan in place for what they're doing. And I and they've got, like we've said a couple of times, they've got more information than we do. And I trust them until they give us a reason not to. And look, and for right now, and maybe, you know, even like right around the draft, you know, it was linked. The Browns were most likely going cornerback in the first round. If you're a Steven Nelson or you're one of these guys. So wait a minute. So if Greedy Williams is healthy, you've got Denzel Ward. You're about to draft a cornerback. So if I sign there, I know I'm getting low money. Hell, shit, I might not even be playing. 
Because if right. this all works out for you the right way, I'm not sure where I fit in. So and that mm-hmm. could be an issue. And obviously you have the guy, the likes of the Stephen Nelsons of the world saying on Twitter, shit, it's always about money. And Stephen Nelson, this is that why I great. would like to find Stephen <laughs> Nelson. That, that tweet alone, look, what do you want, dude? Come, come play with us. I just want more of that snark in the building. I just want that type. It was actually funny. We interviewed him during his draft cycle. And, you know, at the time coming out of Oregon State, he was a little bit, you know, a lesser known player. But he's he's just still that same dude. And I absolutely, you know, it just kills me, just absolutely slays me. We're going to have to put a bow on this one here, but obviously we covered a ton here. We got to uh, day two and three with Steve. We've got to, uh, you know, what could possibly be left for, you know, moves for the Browns to pursue. Um, and But, I mean, look, if this is it, folks, and this is what you're going to camp with, we are right. I mean, we are literally good. We are literally all right. I mean, we're talking about JOK here. He's not going to start in a perfect world. Maybe Greg Newsom isn't going to start. And this is what we're talking about after we're talking about draft picks and all that. It's whew. And as opposed to trying to find a path where the seventh rounder could possibly start for this team because they would need him to. Folks, it has come a full circle, a huge full circle. It's been a great week here. Obviously, you know, we kicked it off with Pete. Uh, you know, we I spent some time with, uh, you know, Zach Blackerby, our host of uh, Lockdown Auburn. So we talked a little bit about Anthony Schwartz. And then we got into the OBR week, you know, a show with Jake, certainly uh, a show with Lane and obviously Steven here today. Uh, Steve's feeling better. Hopefully that laptop will take another day or two before it gets back to him so we can relax just a little bit more. Um, but the folks with the OBR, <laughs> great people, great friends, obviously, you know, did a tremendous, tremendous job killing this draft coverage. Steve, with his first year basically being this deep into it, he's always been into it. This year, he's been crazy deep into it. And I think there's a couple more salt and pepper in that hair, Steve, than there used to be. So <laughs> welcome to this life. Um, it's definitely more salt and pepper. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Make sure you follow Brown's Mock Draft. Um, look, everybody here, look, some of us, you know, you might not see some people for a day or two at a time here. A number one. We've got some wives, relationships with wives we need to repair. We got some relationships with some kids we probably need to repair because this time of year gets so draining and so demanding. Um, but for everybody being along for the ride, um, just another great year. Um, a little frustrating for me, obviously, with the iTunes and BS and, you know, Apple, get your shit together because it's getting really, really annoying at this point. But obviously, all the work through the OBR. Make sure you're following Brown's Mock Draft. Uh, whether it is Odyssey, whether it is Spotify, make sure you are following Lockdown Browns. Uh, leaving those five-star ratings, written reviews. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.